We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And now New Galaxy Broadcasting presents Inalienable and Free, Voice of the Coalition, a program addressing the grave challenges to human and citizen rights in America and the rest of the world. How can we, the people of Earth, take back the power and privileges granted to us by God and address so significantly in the Declaration of Independence? Our rights are inalienable, that is, given by God and incapable of being taken away from or given by another. These rights are the basis of liberty, the foundation of all life and happiness. The Coalition of Planetary Empowerment is an organization designed to give its members tools and information to empower them personally, in relationships and in business and employment, but also to give them a voice and the ability to help transform political and corporate governance to support the true needs and desires of people throughout the world. Inalienable and Free focuses on the need for government and corporate business interests to be responsive to the will and desire of their constituents and consumer shareholders. Johnny Blue Star, host of Inalienable and Free, Voice of the Coalition. Now, Voice of the Coalition refers to the Coalition for Planetary Empowerment, which uh, we just explained previously slightly. Um, new things are developing. We are developing a website and uh, hopefully soon a social network infrastructure. Um, at the same time, we have uh, put out a GoFundMe uh, request for funds to because this is a, a, a rather robust project since it's going to involve a lot of people, a lot of activity back and forth. Uh, there's really nothing like it that I know of. Uh, so you go to GoFundMe and you look for Coalition for Planetary Empowerment, maybe my own name, Johnny Blue Star. Blue Star is two words. So if you're interested, take a look. Well, things were dangerous before in Syria. They've gone into somewhat of a lull after a whirlwind of strange and deadly events that could have the world into a much more unsafe condition. We are dealing with a multitude of Israeli attacks developed simultaneously with a ramp up for a strong Russian and Syrian military incursion into the Idlib province of Syria, the last major stronghold of the terrorist groups that have it as proxies led the attack against Assad. And I just want to explain that when I said uh, they were ramping up, they had not really attacked. I'm talking about Russia and Syria attacking this, these groups in uh, Idlib. But uh, the Israelis sort of proactively started to attack different places based on Iranian assets and um, bases and so forth. If the attack that Russia and Syrian uh, military were successful, Assad would have, been take, would have taken his country back pockets of these groups that exist in small numbers scattered throughout the city, throughout the cities of Syria, unless the Syrian and Russian attacks against those pockets occurred simultaneously with the main attack on Idlib. Our program today is called All Eyes on Syria. Well, maybe not, but they should be. Why should they be? Because it's kind of hidden what's going on. And even if you disagree with some of the points of view that we have here, you might uh, realize that 
you are basically isolated from a lot of the points of view that exist in alternative media. There's no question that Syria is a complex quagmire, but a citizen of the United States managed to take charge of our own government is something along with myriad other things that we really have to face. Over a period of time, I've been chastened by a number of people for paying attention to mainstream news as well as alternative media. I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine told me how he never watched anymore because it was such a, it was a tissue of lies. I demurred saying, considering its effect, we need to watch it more than ever because along with the government, corporate business interests and politically oriented billionaires, the media is clearly part of the reasons that the 1% continue to rule the roost. But in addition to this caveat, I also think there's a truth that needs to be ferreted out sometimes. Here's uh, Ryan Christian from The Last American Vagabond, definitely alternative media, speaking, speaking after he related how he missed an important story because of his focus on exactly what I'm talking about on alternative media, which is a very good thing to also focus on. Ryan's approach is question everything, but that, as he says, he's also looking at everything. That is as much as you can. So we'll hear here, here in 99. The point I want to make here with this, I don't, I don't pay as much attention. I don't keep as close an eye on the mainstream media as I do on a lot of independent media. And that's my failing in this regard. And I missed this in the last couple of days. It was only a few days in which I did not see this. But this is a perfect example of why we need to read everything. Keep our, our eyes on everything, including the mainstream media, and apply that same criticism and skepticism to everything, mainstream media and independent media alike, because there's information all over the place. In my case, I frequently quote major media, foreign media, and alternative media, as long as it serves my end purpose to give my visitors an opportunity to explore the truth. <clears throat> I take my responsibilities as a citizen seriously, I am also aware of the quagmire, a term I just used for Syria, that applies to the whole of foreign policy, the whole foreign policy mess that most of the countries have made for the world, and not just the United States. Before we go more deeply into Syria, and yes, a lot of my sources are alternative media, as I said, I'd like to utilize a very interesting clip from a video debate sponsored by, believe it or not, Iranian media featuring Richard Millet representing the establishment U.S., Israeli, and its European allies' point of view, and Richard Becker representing an alternative media point of view, somewhat aligned with Russia, Syria, and Iran in this particular case, where these parties are opposed to the establishment's wish for regime change. So here we go with M100. This seemed to be the last stage of the fight against terrorists in Syria, Idlib, where thousands of terrorists are stationed. Both Syria and Russia have vowed to flush the terrorists out of this area. Yet Russia just announced that Syria is not preparing a major offensive in Idlib. Well, in this edition of the debate, we will look at the looming battle for Idlib and the U.S. claim that it is worried about civilians there. While in 2017, for example, it killed hundreds of them in a Raqqa operation, which Amnesty International has called the U.S.-led war of annihilation. Let's uh, bring in our guest, journalist and political commentator, Richard Millett, joins us from London, and from the Answer Coalition, Richard Becker joins us from San Francisco. Gentlemen, welcome. Richard Millett, let me first start with you. Um, 
I don't know if you heard our correspondent, but I'll um, repeat the part that he said, what's recommended by the Syrian Arab army. He said, or Syria, I should say. He said that uh, local reconciliation deals is what they will encourage, but at the same time, the Syrian Arab army will attack the terrorists, and of course, protecting civilians uh, is something that they're going to uh, pretty much be concerned with and to help to avoid. Uh, this is while the terrorists themselves have been blamed in the past and currently by the UN um, Special Envoy to Syria, Stefan de Mistura, to not hold civilians as human shields. Well, that's quite hilarious. If it wasn't so tragic, uh, Assad is responsible for the ripping apart of his own country, the deaths of half a million people, the dispersion of millions of more throughout the world, the use of chlorine gas barrel bombs that don't discriminate between terrorists and civilians, leaving tens of thousands of children, Syrian children, dead and disabled. Are these terrorists, are these children that he's gassed, the 1,400 civilians gassing Ghouta in 2013, the ones that were gassed in April this year, does gas discriminate between children and terrorists? I don't think this monster, Assad, has any concern about who he murders. He has shown no concern in the past. He's a beast. He's an animal. He's sick. He needs to go quickly to restore some sort of sanity to the Middle East. And Iran needs to stop supporting this monster. Richard Becker? Well, I think that that's uh, really a regurgitation of the line from London and Washington, from Trump and from the uh, and from the conservative government in in, in Britain, and also uh, you hear the same thing from Paris. It's very interesting that, that true, this though. is what we hear from the former and present colonizers of the region, who are the ones who have really brought about this disaster. Without the intervention of the United States. Uh, the other imperialist powers and their allies like Saudi Arabia and Jordan, this conflict could never have developed the way that it did. Certainly there were differences inside Syria, but to turn this into an armed conflict with arms and ISIS fighters and Al-Qaeda fighters pouring in from Turkey, uh, from uh, Saudi Arabia, from Europe, uh, without that, we would not have seen a conflict that had lasted now more than seven years. And that's what has torn the country apart. It's the foreign intervention that has fueled this struggle, fueled the uh, opposition inside Syria. And, you know, there's nothing that is more deadly, more deadly form of warfare than civil warfare, except civil warfare that is exacerbated by the intervention of powers which are seeking regime change. And that's what uh, the, your other guest also supports, is regime change, makes it very clear. And the forces that today demonstrated in Idlib, instead of talking about reconciliation, they too raised the call that there can be no settlement without the Assad government going, without Assad going. Uh, and that's not going to happen. So you can see that the stage is set for uh, a, a, the, a final big battle, and we don't know what forces will join in the battle as it unfolds. But 
certainly the forces inside Idlib, the military forces there that are opposed to the government, are led by the Al-Qaeda affiliate, the Nusra Front. Yeah, the Nusra, which changes its name radically as one program is going to go into, our program will go into later, when we uh, from Blackstone Intelligence about that the financing of the Nusra Front. Uh, but before we get into the guts of this program, let's hear a bit from one of the more courageous independent journalists, Eva Bartlett. This is from back in 2016 to tell us her impressions back then. In this case, she's speaking about the proposal for another ceasefire that was handled about in the UN. The dynamics of the parties involved is, is surely similar to what's going on right now, but it's a different story. And I want you to hear what she has, and then we'll talk a little bit more about background. It's N101. Today in the General Assembly, the representative of my country, Canada, is raising or has raised a resolution which is not about human rights. It's not about uh, the people of Syria. It's a resolution meant to point fingers and to vilify the governments of Syria and Russia. And this resolution relates to a UN Security Council resolution that was vetoed by Russia and China some days ago. That resolution pertained to another useless ceasefire in Syria, which would have no bearing on, uh, no bring no good to the people of Syria, and which follows um, a week of liberation of areas of Aleppo, which now amounts to about seven or 95% of areas of Aleppo that have been occupied for years by terrorist factions. So at this time, when 100,000 civilians in these areas occupied for years by terrorist factions have been liberated, the UN, uh, parties in the UN wanted to impose another ceasefire. And I, I want to remind people why these ceasefires are indeed pointless. The last ceasefire in September was from the very um, start negated by 20 main terrorist factions who declared they were not going to participate and from the very beginning violated the ceasefire over 300 times during the duration of the ceasefire. And not only these terrorist factions, while the Syrians and while the Russians um, adhered to the tenets of the ceasefire, but the American-led coalition itself violated the ceasefire by targeting Syrian army positions in Deir Zor, killing at least 83 Syrian soldiers in a prolonged attack that lasted nearly one hour and which enabled ISIS to overtake that position. So this is one reason why a ceasefire is pointless at this point in time. There is no faith that any of the parties that the U.S. and Western leaders who uh, have funded these terrorists, there's no faith that they can actually control the terrorists and get them to adhere to a ceasefire. And the people of Aleppo want Aleppo to be completely freed. And I speak having been to Aleppo four times, and this is the will of people in Aleppo. Um, so on that note, I'd just like to talk about um, briefly, I've been to Syria six times since 2014, two of which were with um, international delegations and four times were independently on a visa I applied for, paid for and waited for. Um, my trips have been self-funded or fundraised and I've gone at my own risk and been able to travel freely in the country to areas I wish to travel to. I've been many times to Homs, to Malula, to Latakia, Tartus, um, Siaf, Sueda, and again, Aleppo four times. And I mention these because I think it's important people realize I have, in, wherever I've gone, I've spoken in Arabic to the people I'm speaking with. What uh, Donna, what Sarah have said, the, that the people support their army and government is absolutely true. 
whatever you hear in the corporate media is the complete opposite. And on that note, what you hear in the corporate media, and I will name them BBC, Guardian, New York Times, etc., on Aleppo is also opposite of reality. Aleppo since 2012 has been inhabited by different terrorist factions, among them al-Nusra, among them the so-called Free Syrian Army, which has committed the same heinous acts of terrorism as al-Nusra, as ISIS, as Ahrar al-Sham, as Nuruddin al-Zinki, which beheaded a 12-year-old Palestinian child and somehow is still deemed moderate. Um, since 2012, these areas of Aleppo, which have now recently been freed, um, their occupation by these terrorist factions has meant the greater Aleppo, the 1.5 million plus population of greater Aleppo have suffered sieges, denying them food and medicine. They've suffered for years a want of electricity and water, and they've suffered daily bombardment by these terrorists of mortars, of gas canister bombs, which are improvised and made locally, of water heater bombs, which are even more powerful and can level um, floors of entire buildings, of conventional weapons like grad rockets supplied by the West, and etc. As I said, they've suffered these uh, attacks on a daily basis, and even now, because there are still Western-backed terrorists in pockets of Aleppo, there are still mortars and gas canister bombs raining down, and people are still dying in Aleppo. This is another reason why the liberation and securing of these areas is imperative, because that will actually bring peace to Aleppo. We just heard her speaking, you know, this was back in December of 2000, I'm sorry, back in December 14, 2016. And um, I'm going to read a little bit more about her. And uh, that, that, um, during that time, she had given a press conference that was, that was um, organized by the Syrian mission to the United Nations. Eva Bartlett slammed Western media for their blatant bias when reporting on the conflict, which has been ongoing since 2011. Among other things, she criticized news agents that relied on secondhand reports from international organizations, which we, she said are simply not credible, and in the case of Eastern Aleppo, not even there. These organizations are relying on the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, based in Coventry, UK, which is one man. They're relying on compromised groups like the White Helmet, she said, explaining that the organization receives its funding from Western states their own interests in Syria, such as the U.S. and the U.K. They, quote, purport to be rescuing civilians in eastern Aleppo and Idlib, yet no one in eastern Aleppo has heard of them. So your sources on the ground, you don't have them, she said. Bartlett has visited at least three times since 2014, producing, and as you see from what she said, she's gone there more times, producing several articles, interviews, and multimedia Pieces challenging the common war tour foreign country narrative pushed by mainstream media. Quote, unless one is actively seeking information on positive aspects of life in the Syrian Arab Republic, which perhaps to the surprise many do abound, it is images of war which overwhelm, she wrote in July of 2016, adding that volunteerism was one of the many aspect, positive aspects that prevails throughout the country. Quote, Many associations quietly work year-round to help in whatever capacity they can, giving food, clothing, hygiene, and financial aid, as well as educational, housing, and medical services, among others. During the December 10, 2016 press conference, Bartlett was challenged by a Norwegian journalist demanding to know what she thought of the quote of Western media. How can you justify calling all of us liars, he asked. 
Wiley responded that while there certainly are honest journalists among the very compromised establishment, the agenda has always been one of, quote, regime, regime change. How can the New York Times and democracy now maintain until this day that this is a civil war in Syria? How can they maintain that the protests were unarmed and nonviolent until, say, 2012? That's absolutely not true. How can they maintain that the Syrian government is attacking civilians in Aleppo when every person that's coming out of the, these areas is saying the opposite? Of Russia's co coverage of the conflict, she said they were showing exactly what the Syrian media is saying. It shows what independent people in, in, in Syria are saying. Bartlett's comments came as the city of Aleppo was being retaken by the Syrian ar army, along with Russia's help from anti-government forces. A ceasefire was agreed on Tuesday as the last remaining opposition forces retreated from their last major urban stronghold. While Syrians have celebrated this victory, they have criticized the UN silence since the Islamic state group taken over the millennia, millennial city of Palmyra, echoing Bartlett's criticism of information manipulation. Quote, what happened in Palmyra really hurt us, a woman told Telesur. It's sad that the historic site fell in the hands of terrorists, and we condemned the West's attempt to ruin the reputation of our national military. But just as we took Aleppo back, we will, discuss, we will recover Palmyra, Palmyra and all Syrian territory, end quote. Bartlett will tra travel, she says, around the U.S., talking about various things in that year. Well... That's a long time ago, I, I grant you, two years ago, long time ago. But still in all, you can see the same sort of claims that this, this uh, woman, uh, icon of Syrian alternative media, is trying to tell us. And, you know, you're going to have to decide for yourself as a viewer what you think. And uh, incidentally, this is a talk show program, and you can call here at, on, at um, 888 627-6008. So just to go ahead and flash forward to now, let's hear what Tulsi Gabbard, she's a U.S. representative from Hawaii, uh, a former military, uh, a former military um, officer, is calling out, she's ta talking about what's happening there in Syria. Now she has visited there. She's very concerned. And let's hear N one oh two. Let's just start off by saying how does how do you on nine eleven, you're a veteran. Uh how how do you experience nine eleven? Oh, that's a heavy question. You know, there are thousands of um men and women all across this country, uh, like myself, who um joined the military after the attacks on 9-11 uh, to go after those terrorists who attacked us. And to think about how many lives have been lost since, how many American lives, um, how many first responders' lives were lost on 9-11 and since, and those who still suffer from major health problems because of their responding to that attack their families, um, veterans who come home and suffer from visible and invisible wounds, and, and every single American taxpayer uh, who have had trillions of dollars taken out of their wallets to pay for these interventionist wars that our country has waged since 9-11, looking, looking at and understanding in a very personal way the cost of war. It is 
a true betrayal to all those who have sacrificed so much to now sit here on the anniversary of 9-11 and hear from our country's president and his administration about how they are essentially ready to wage war against Syria and Russia in order to stop them from attacking Al-Qaeda in Idlib, in Syria. We are in this situation today because of U.S. policies in Syria, specifically as we're talking about this situation, where you have twenty to 30,000 Al-Qaeda and other jihadist terrorists who are in control of this city. There are a lot of civilians there. And Trump is now talking about going to war with these countries, with Syria and Russia, if they launch this attack that they've been talking about doing against those terrorists in Idlib. And he claims to be doing it to save Syrian civilians. However, if that were the case, then why did he not... Why was he not then the first to stand up and support the UN's call for humanitarian corridor for civilians to evacuate from the city? Why was he not the first one calling for an actual solution to help reduce the amount of Syrian civilian casualties? And so this this looking for an excuse um, that the Trump administration is doing, they're looking for an excuse to basically launch an attack against Syria and Russia. And my concern is I think they're doing it for two reasons. One is because if you look back over the last couple of years, the two times that President Trump has received vast positive reinforcement from the mainstream media, from Democratic leaders, from Republican leaders, have been the two times that he's launched military attacks against Syria. His poll numbers are dropping. So he's looking with a political calculation of what, do, what what's the thing that I know will make it so people are saying nice things about me again. That's the first reason. And the second reason is because there has been this long, slow regime change war happening in Syria. We've been waging this long war since 2011. And the main ground force in that war has been Al-Qaeda and these other jihadist terrorist groups. And so there have been both direct and indirect support of these groups fighting on the ground to overthrow this regime. And so they're concerned that if these terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda are taken out in Idlib, what happens to the ground force fighting to overthrow the Syrian government? And this leads us to the United States alliance with Saudi Arabia, who would like to see a, a Wahhabi extremist government replace the government that's in Syria. Uh, this leads to the United States alliance with Saudi Arabia and the atrocities that are occurring in Yemen. Uh, so, so when you look at what's happening and the fact that Al-Qaeda is stronger today than ever before, um, it is a true disservice, a betrayal, and um, dishonoring the sacrifices that have been made by by so many people, by every American. Well, some of you listening to this are going to, maybe you're not really acquainted with alternative media, and you say, is this true? Are we really supporting these terrorist groups? 
many of which are totally opposed to Western culture and religion, are doing horrible things to civilians who they capture, like beheading them, like holding them as prisoners, even as human shields, torturing them, all kinds of uh, atrocities. Well, we're going to take a break from this uh, turmoil, and um, we're going to have some messages. One's on our audio and video editing capacity as New Galaxy Enterprises. Another is a book that I wrote with Carlos uh, Lopez Avery called which is a science fiction uh, book about um, the fall. But it's, uh, it's a little bit different than I think you've ever heard it before. And in a lot of ways, it, it should be a lot of fun. Um, and then we're going to hear a song by a UK singer-songwriter named Stephanie Slevin. Now, Stephanie and I have been friends for a long time. She has an immense talent and is immensely prolific. And this is a very interesting song called What Goes Around. We're going to hear them C-70, B-2, M-50, and then get back to work. This is Johnny Bluestar, CEO of New Galaxy Enterprises, a media content development company. One of our highly useful services is our audio and video editing service, overseen by Hassan Khan, our Director of Technical Services. We can also help edit and write the original content for your video and even produce it, depending on its content and direction. To learn more about New Galaxy, see samples of our work, or talk to us about your project, please go to www.NewGalaxyEnterprises.com and fill out the contact form. It is the 15th century. El Tesoro de Cielo, a Spanish treasure ship, sends a scouting expedition to a strange island. Golden statues surrounding them prove the enormity of their find. Suddenly, hordes of ghoulish creatures with scaly green flesh and skeletal wings descend upon them from the sky. What do you think of this, Rufio? These creatures are fragile, Captain. We can take them with our swords. They seem supernatural. Who knows what powers they possess? Fallen angels weakened by their treason. My God! Are you saying they're Nephilim, the devil's host? I'm saying whatever they are, we can take them. Do any of you cowards dare join me? Up against sharp knife-like nails and hideous fangs, the men's swords rip into slimy green flesh. Though black blood pours copiously from their half-naked bodies, creatures miraculously persist. Can the crew survive this bloody, cursed battle? Find out more by googling The Thrice Born, a new sci-fi supernatural novel by Carlos Lopez Avery and Johnny Blue Star. Google with the words Carlos Johnny Kendall, The Thrice Born. That's Carlos Johnny Kendall, The Thrice Born. Close your eyes, embrace me, feel tomorrow's end of 
that was Stephanie Slevin. Slevin is spelled S-L-E-V-I-N. You can find her on Reverb Nation. You can find her on YouTube. I have to say that if you hear one song of hers, the next one might be very different. And she is an amazing talent, and I respect her enormously for what she does. Also, to be a singer-songwriter these days, it's tough. And uh, she's had her struggles. I have had my struggles. I'm not a singer-songwriter, but I am a songwriter. And uh, I know what it's like. And, you know, who actually stand out there and, and do their stuff like she does and uh, keep on going are, are just amazing people. And she has some amazing um, things to say. So anyway, uh, I'm glad I've been able to play her song. Now, we're going to go to somebody that I, um, I might disagree with metaphysically, and some of the people who go to his site disagree with him. Um, but in terms of his knowledge, understanding of what's going on politically, and his, uh, I think, exceptional morality about it, um, I think he's worth listening to and subscribing to. I do. Blackstone Intelligence Network with Morphonius. Uh, anyway, um, we're going to hear a report on the Army of El Al Nusra, which was mentioned before by our discussion with uh, Ms. Bartlett. And uh, she's talking about Al Nusra, is, you'll see, it's a, these terrorist groups. But how is it? How does it function? How how is it on them? That's what Jake will go into right now at N103. I'm going to tell you some information here that comes from a uh, an excellent uh, journalist. She's Bulgarian, a Bulgarian journalist named Diljana Gaiten Shiva. People turn a lot of good intel over to her, and. Um, she puts the documents out. So I want to tell you a little about, uh, about what I've learned from Diljana. Uh, and it's regarding absolute facts about how the United States coalition is directly responsible for arming al-Nusra. It's not just that the U.S. is watching al-Nusra and saying, oh, yeah, they're growing and they're developing and it's useful that they're doing these things. No, the United States is arming them and has been for years all along. All right. Now I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her reporting over the last couple of years or so. She published a series of reports on this, the, on these rat lines in, into Syria and into Iraq weapons, rat lines um, back. In fact, back in December of 2016, back when there was still a lot of fighting going on in Aleppo, she went into Syria and she actually went into under, and she filmed it. And you, you can see this online. There are pictures, there's video. She went to underground warehouses that were packed with hundreds and hundreds of guns and other heavy weapons that had come from Bulgaria and they were being sent to Al-Nusra front. Which, again, for those just joining, al-Nusra is al-Qaeda in Syria. So the United States is arming al-Qaeda. She was given a ton of diplomatic documents th that were leaked to her that revealed these rat lines. It showed that these weapons that she was seeing in, in these warehouses was only a small part, only a fraction of a massive 
covert internationals weapon shipment. It was a whole network that was arming not just al-Nusra, but a whole network of terrorists in the Middle East and in Africa. And the way that they were getting these weapons in was through uh, uh, under the guise of diplomatic flights, hundreds of flights that were supposed to be diplomatic missions. They were actually carrying arms. And this was uh, these flights and the weapon transfers and everything. It was organized by uh, the United Arab Emirates um, and uh, Saudi Arabia. Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman was in on it. And, and his counterpart, who's kind of a, a young prince in the UAE, like him. But most notably, these wet, these documents that she had showed that they were being coordinated by SOCOM. SOCOM is the United States Special Operations Command. Wow. So that gives you a little more insight as to the funding of some of these terrorist organizations that are actually in Idlib, that um, the Russians and Syrians are planning an attack, but stuff has started to happen. Not too long ago, just a few days ago, here's a headline. Israeli... Israel strikes armed depot near Damascus airport. This is uh, from Reuters. Israeli warplane struck a weapons supply hub operated by a Lebanese, the Lebanese group Hezbollah near Damascus airport on Thursday, targeting arms sent from Iran in commercial and military cargo aircraft, Syrian rebel and regional intelligence sources said. The Israeli military said later that one of its Patriot Anti-aircraft missile batteries intercepted a target over the Golan Heights that Israel described as an unmanned drone. It was the second Israeli interception of a target coming from Syria in the past few weeks. Video carried on Arab TV and shared on social media showed the pre-dawn airstrikes plus the fire around the airport east of the Syrian capital, suggesting fuel sources of weapons containing explosives that were hit. Syrian state media that Israeli missiles hit a tar- military position southwest of the airport, but did not mention arms or people. Said Israeli aggression had caused explosions and some material losses, but did not end on the damage. <clears throat> In a sign of the heightened tensions surrounding a conflict that has already caught up regional and international powers, Damascus ally Russia criticized the Israeli strike and said Syrian sovereignty should be respected. And that's something we're going to follow through on shortly unfortunately there's more than just this this was the first recent major thing that happened in the last few days israel does not usually comment on action it takes in but intelligence minister israel Katz, speaking to army radio from the united states appeared to confirm involvement the incident in syria corresponds completely with israel's policy to act to prevent iran's smuggling of advanced weapons via syria to Hezbollah. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, quote, that whenever we receive intelligence that indicates the intention to transfer advanced weapons to Hezbollah, we will act. An Israeli spokesman said, we can't comment on such reports. Well, who knows? Two senior rebel sources in the Damascus area, citing monitors in the eastern outskirts of the capital, said there were five strikes on an ammunition depot used by Iran-backed militias. Lebanon's Al-Manar television, which is affiliated with Hezbollah, said early indications were that the strikes targeted warehouses and fuel tanks. It said there were no casualties. 
let's go listen to how the news reported this. Uh, we're going to go to actually We Are Change, which is an alternative media site that I listen to frequently and respect. And 104. Hey, everybody. Jason Burmis here for WeAreChange.org and the Syrian state media. And believe me, there is little doubt that this is actually happening, is reporting that air defenses have struck down Israeli missiles at the or near the Damascus airport. And why the Damascus airport? Well, they're still claiming that this is where, you know, the Iranians are, are taking missiles, bringing them to Lebanon. Let's just read this one. And then we're actually going to show you the missile strike getting thwarted. But this conflict is so close to being red hot. And we're going to explore that in this video. Syrian military air defense downed several missiles that Israel fired in an act of aggression near Damascus Airport on Saturday, Syrian state media said. An Israeli military spokeswoman said Israel does not comment on foreign reports. Does not comment on foreign reports. Well, the video evidence is pretty clear. Um, this does not look like a U.S. strike. Thank God. Um, however, the United States, we're going to get into the military, the insane mili military drills the Marines just did there in Syria in depth and how dangerous those are. Oh, during the more than seven year conflict in neighboring Syria, Israel has grown deeply alarmed by the expanding cloud of its arch enemy, Iran, a key ally of Syrian President Bashir al-Assad. Israel's air force has struck scores of targets, uh, as it describes them, as Iranian deployments of arms transfers to Lebanon's Iran-backed Hezbollah movement in the war. Our air defense systems thwarted an Israeli missile aggression on Damascus International Airport, Syrian state. News agency SANA cited a military uh, sources saying so. Now, remember, it's pretty open. This is an article from July here. Our goal is to push Iran out of Syria. That is not the only goal. We know this. The goal is to get Bashir al-Assad out of there. They want Assad out of there. That's it. They want a pro-Western, pro-Saudi Arabian leader in that nation. It's that simple. That's the reality of the situation. In fact, Tulsi Gabbard was recently on Jimmy Dore's show, and she was openly talking about this is what they want, talking about our forces and how it makes her sick to her stomach, that they're training with al-Qaeda. We're, we're renaming them rebels, just like we rename them from being the Mujahideen, the freedom fighters that we were once allied with. And then, you know, somehow we use these semantic games, and it's ridiculous. Trouble is that this is not a new thing. We're not going to go into it in this program. And you know, it's really quite difficult to go into a lot of this in graph because it's so complex. And the fact is that anybody who's listening to this program and is serious about being a citizen has to do their own research. I'm not asking you to believe people. I don't always believe everything that I present here, or I might somewhat be inclined to believe it, or I might disagree with it, but it's there to pick up on and do your own work, because it's a work to be a citizen these days with the amount of deception, misleading information, contradictions between different people, even in the same administration, it's really difficult to follow and very necessary if you want to maintain a democracy. We've got 
become informed and enlightened citizens. Now, uh, now, for We Are Change, who I told you I like very much, and now I'm going to go back to the last American vagabond and uh, his comments. Th that one was on the, on the 15th of September. This one is uh, this one is on the 17th. There was a, a massive strike on Syria, and very little reported actually, except a little thing that happened. But let's hear the uh, discussion of that on N105. First story of the day, the most important news happening today that I'm not really seeing covered anywhere save for a few places. And this is indeed a massive event worthy of discussing today, regardless. This one entitled from Zero Hedge, Massive Sustained Attack on Syria. Russian S-400, which is very relevant, defenses possibly active in huge escalation. Indeed, a very huge escalation. I've seen it here, and I've seen it reported on South Front so far today. This entitled Airstrikes on Government Facilities reported in Latik and um, Latakia, Tartus, Homs, and Hama, actually, provinces, Russia allegedly employs own air defenses. I'm sure there are other people covering this so far. I've yet to see it anywhere else. Very, very big development in this story. So another attack, another keyword on Syria has occurred tonight. It is nighttime for them on multiple locations in what is, in fact, the largest sustained series of what are believed to be Israeli or possibly U.S. airstrikes in months. But hugely significant is that early reports suggest Russia's S-400 anti-missile missile defense system engaged the inbound rockets. On Monday night, Syrian state-run Sana confirmed multiple missiles fired, quote, from the sea into Latakia City, and in an aggression from unknown source, which state media says involves successful intercepts by Syrian missile defense. British Syrian journalist Danny Mackay, currently reporting on the ground, says the attack, quote, lasted for a total of one hour and a half, and missiles soared over four cities, including Latakia, Tartus, Homs, and Hama with rockets and explosions lighting up the sky, especially over the coastal towns. Well, it's um, really uh, strange things are happening here. So what you have is you've got Damascus attack at one point, and now you've got this massive strike on Syria, and that actually turns out to be uh, because of Israel. And then other things start to happen. But let's take a breath again. I'd like to go over the NG mission that we have to serve our clients. Uh, tell you a little bit about how to find out about Dr. Hugo Rodier's books. Dr. Rodier is somebody who has co-hosted a program with me and will be doing so again, I'm sure, uh, called the Integrated Genetic uh, Health Show. And we're going to be uh, actually Putting it in our archives, we have some from a, a, a period of time, very valuable, and I am going to be posting his blogs regularly. And you can go to his website, hugoelodier.com. And finally, your kisses never die. A song by myself as lyricist and Edgar Ahrens, a Russian composer who I've worked with for years, and sung by Patricia Welch. Today is Patricia Welch's birthday, I believe, and I would like to the happiest birthday in the world. But I'd also like to mention, as I have maybe a few times before, how Patricia and I met. Uh, because Edgar had contacted me because I 
I wrote something about producing film, and he liked to write. I didn't actually write about producing film. I talked about writing film, and he thought I was a producer, and so he contacted me to see if I would be interested in, uh, you know, letting him do some music for my movies. Well, I didn't have movies like that, but I listened to his work, and I was fascinated, absolutely staggered by it, and I asked him if he would like to work with me. And uh, as a as a composer for songs, and he said, "Yeah, I will." Because somebody is really interested in me working with them, and they're in uh, they're in uh, the United States. And uh, of course, I don't I don't really speak that you know uh, fluent English, and I write lyrics. But I would love to work with you if it's possible. I said, "Who's this person?" I said Patricia Welch and Quinta. Well, Quinta turned out to be La Quinta which was only 30 miles away from me. And our first song was actually, record I was actually there when uh, it was recorded in the video. And this is one of our subsequent songs from, from a musical that we're working on, um, Hadley's Castle. And this song is called Your Kisses Never Die. So that would be C2, C5, and M49. My company, New Galaxy Enterprises, is a California corporation specializing in the creation of media and promotional content. We are focused on original, innovative projects that are good for humanity. These projects could be nonfiction books or novels, fictional screenplays or documentary content, websites and website content, commercial advertising content for print, audio, or video products on the internet, television, or radio, musical scores for advertising, television, or film, video, audio editing, etc. We want to promote products and projects that support the environment, encourage a healthy experience in living, developing, nurturing and useful technology and offering platforms for positive socially constructive entertainment or informative transformative media. Our experience in creating a variety of products like this is rather vast and we offer client-based and collaborative products as well as the opportunity of active investors to join us in the creation and promotion of proprietary products, some of which are in latter stages of development. For more information, go to www.newgalaxyenterprises.com. That's www.newgalaxyenterprises.com. If you're interested in talking to us, just fill out the contact sheet and we will get back with you. Dr. Hugo Rodier has published four books on health issues covering practically all chronic health problems. You may find them by accessing his website at hugorodier.com. That's H-U-G-O-R-O-D. IER.com. Gut health is the most academic, while switching off chronic disease is the most patient oriented with simple recipes to implement his nutritional protocols.
If you want to know more about Patricia Welch, you might go to patriciawelch.com. Uh, this is a person I've been working with for years. I feel very, very blessed to have experienced knowing her and her fabulous talent. It's, um, I just consider her one of the greatest singers I've ever heard. And uh, I am so privileged to have worked with her and continue to do so. Well, back to the real world. The following we are change video shows some of the confusion that occurred when the Russian plane was down. That's what happened when they when the Syrians attacked again. This incredible thing happened. We're at N106. Now, what just happened moments ago is very terrifying and something that we have been warning about and talking about as an independent news organization for a number of years now. Specifically talking about the disastrous scenarios that could unfold when you have major alliances and world powers against each other through a proxy war like we're seeing happening right now with one side having Syria, Iran, Russia, and China on their side going completely against the United States, NATO, Israel, and of course Saudi Arabia, which is financing Sunni Wahhabist rebels. And this was definitely exemplified just moments ago where Israel continued and launched more aggressive airstrikes on Syrian military targets that of course were very close to Russian military bases in the region. Specifically, going after many research and industrial sites run by the Syrian military. And from the photos and videos coming out, these were definitely major attacks on the Syrian military. At the same time, Russia detected missiles that were apparently launched from the French military forces along with Israel on the Syrian military. This, of course, sparked the Syrian and Russian air defenses to be activated and used during this attack. And again, for the people who are not paying attention or either watching the U.S. Western mainstream media, need to be reminded that these attacks were carried out against the Syrian military forces who were mainly fighting against Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Al-Nusras, and other rebel groups who were mainly Wahhabist in that specific region that were specifically supported by the United States, Israel, and Saudi Arabia before. And of course, during this latest attack just moments ago, we found out that a Russian military plane was shut down with 14 service members on board. Now, according to the first initial reports that were brought to us by CNN, they are running headlines saying that the Syrian regime was the one that accidentally shot down this Russian military plane, accrediting this information to an anonymous U.S. official, which they did not name, specifically stating that this anonymous person from the government shortly after this incident and without investigation said, quote, the regime was actually trying to stop a barrage of Israeli missiles. A second official confirmed that Israel was responsible for the missile strikes on the Syrian regime and was inadvertently shot down by Syria regime anti-aircraft artillery. CNN's headlines, bylines, and tweets about the incident fail to even mention that it was Israel that launched this attack first. And of course, I am very skeptical of this story because firstly, who is this anonymous U.S. official? What evidence do they have? And how do they know so early on since this incident just happened? Who was directly responsible when there was missiles flying from both sides? And honestly, right now, it could be either party that is responsible for this shooting down of this Russian military aircraft, whether the Syrians or the Israelis. But with how fast this article came out and some other evidence coming out right now, the picture that this article portrays could be completely different.
Now, here is some of the evidence that I found compelling against the CNN story because, yes, the Syrian military does have a missile defense system, which they were even bragging about on social media yesterday about. And these air defense systems, according to many sources, were unified with the Syrians and Russians that were working together hand in hand together with a major military operation against the rebel groups in that country. These Syrian and Russian defense systems have IFF antennas, systems that the Syrians and Russians operate, which of course tracks all the aircraft on radar with the IFF antenna, which helps identify friends or foe in the sky with the transponder that marks it on their radar system. How would the Syrian military that works with Russia is provided with Russian military equipment, how would they even target their own military aircraft during a military operation to be, quote, shut down? The likelihood and chances of that happening, other than a major blunder, are very unlikely. We are also getting reports that it was not only the Syrian, but also the Russian defense systems that were engaged over the city that was being bombed by the Israeli military, and there's even reports of S-400 Russian defense systems launching missiles in the region, which would be the first time that this has ever happened. With, of course, many people claiming that the Russians were attempting to shoot down the Israeli F-16 fighter jet, which they believe was responsible for shooting down this Russian aircraft. And it's also important to understand throughout this whole entire incident, up until now, Israel is neither confirming nor denying them shooting down this Russian aircraft. So on one side, we have an article by CNN from an anonymous U.S. official saying it was Syria. And on the other side, we have the evidence that we just provided to you in this video. Well, all of this is very complex, but this was on the 17th. And it is now substantiated that it was Syria that, that uh, the Syria um, anti-aircraft defense that shot down this plane. But here's the problem. The Russians were alerted, you know, the, the Israel was, was supposed to alert the Russians. The Russians haven't been attacking them for uh, attacking Syria in terms of the... Uh, Iranian assets. We could discuss this somewhat strange. You're the ally of a country, but you're letting them, certain area in that country, be attacked. But anyway, putting that aside, so the Russian, so according to the Russians, they gave a minute warning so that the Russian plane would act as a uh, sort of a magnet for the radar and distract the uh, anti-aircraft uh, defenses from attacking the um, the Israeli planes, which is very serious, and that's what the Russian, I think, is the defense minister said. But later on, Putin sort of tried to calm things down. He said it was it was like a, a terrible accident. So who knows what the truth is? Uh, it's kind of strange to give some, uh, your Russian uh, friend uh, a one-minute warning. But uh, and Putin said he's going to measures uh, to protect, protect it from happening again. But the way he worded it, it didn't look like it was going to be um, really um, aggressive methods, like shooting down a plane. It's not more like he's going to do something. One of the things that was spoken of is maybe he will uh, he will not allow, uh, there would be a no-fly no 
uh, zone type of uh, demand on Israel, which has been, it's had over, I think within a very short period of time, 200 attacks on, on Syria, but particularly on the Iranian resources there. Uh, but then, now something else has happened, and we're going to discuss this. So let, let's, let me play something from RT America. That's 107. For more, we're joined by Brian Becker, National Director of the Answer Coalition. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Brian, what are the challenges with the implementation of the partial demilitarization of the Idlib province? Well, since, uh, since this war began in 2011, it's never been simply a war between the Syrian government and armed gangs that the Syrian government characterizes as armed terrorist organization. There's always been an international factor. In fact, perhaps the dominant factor, the dominant characteristic of the Syrian war is the fact that there are so many international players. Initially, Turkey, along with the United States and Saudi Arabia and Qatar, were supporting armed insurgent terrorist organizations that were trying to overthrow the Assad government. The Russian government finally came in, intervened, I'd say decisively changed the relationship of forces. We may now be what would be the end of the war if Idlib was liberated, but it's a city of three million people. Turkey, for its own reasons, doesn't want uh, this offensive to take place. It hit, it's still supporting armed groups inside of Idlib. Russia is, uh, is afraid that the United States is looking for a pretext to intervene. Uh, so we have international players. Idlib is a complicated story. This may be a peaceful way or a semi-peaceful way to end this conflict. Well, peace is always good, but the agreement between Russia and Turkey is expected to be discussed with the Syrian government in the upcoming days. Uh, can the implementation of the zone really avert a new stage on the Syrian crisis? Uh, I threw out my crystal ball on election night 2016, so I don't really know with certainty. But I would say this. Uh, any battle to retake Idlib, which the Syrian government certainly has the legal right, it's part of Syrian territory. Syrian government is the only country that is the sovereign in Syria. They have the right to do it, but it's going to be a very complicated, bloody battle because there are three million people. There are tens of thousands of uh, terrorist fighters, including uh, al-Qaeda or al-Nusra front fighters. Uh, and at the same time, Turkey is supporting armed militias inside the city. Then you have the Turkish-Kurd conflict. Uh, it's very, very complicated. If there was a way to avert a military retaking of Idlib, if, in other words, this de-escalation zone could lead eventually to the liberation of Idlib from the terrorist hold, that would be a good thing because we'd av avoid such a terrible carnage. Can it happen? I think that remains to be seen. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned you threw it out with 2016. What has been the changes you've seen uh, in the way the different administrations between the Obama administration and the Trump administration has handled the events going on in the Idlib Peninsula? Well, it's a bit of an irony because Donald Trump, while campaigning, said the U.S. should not be part of the uh, Syrian war. He said he wanted to bring U.S. troops back out of Syria. He said we shouldn't be pursuing regime change. Uh, but if you look at what the Trump administration has specifically done on the ground, they've sent more troops to Syria. The U.S. has military bases in Syria. The uh, Trump administration just threatened, and his administration officials just threatened, that should there be any sort of chemical attack, which maybe was, would be used as a pretext, another major U.S. intervention. So if anything, Donald Trump has been more aggressive, more interventionist than even President Obama. Interesting. Well, so just hours after the signing of the agreement we were talking about, the Syrian station SANN reported alleged Israeli airstrikes. We're going to bring another element into this. A number of missiles have been shot down in the area in the Syrian port city of Latakia. 
Um, the attack allegedly targeted a facility owned by the Syrian military. How can this play out with the current tensions going on in the area? Well, it's not, it's not an allegation. The, the, the Israeli government has struck Syria with aerial attacks, again, in violation of international law, 200 times in the last year. Uh, it's kind of an open secret. This is going on almost every other day on the part of the Israelis. The Israelis are also assisting armed terrorist fighters, including ISIS and al-Qaeda fighters, treating them and also providing military uh, support for them. These are also not now secrets. So the Israeli government, what is its interest? Again, an international player, it wants to keep Syria very weak. It wants to keep Syria very fragmented. If Syria is weak, it can act, uh, give any kind of support, as it has done historically to the Palestinian people, who, of course, the Israeli government wants to push out. They want to push... Palestinians out of the West Bank, out of Gaza, and to be able to reclaim what they call greater Israel. So the Israeli government is an aggressor here. It's uh, illegally targeting Syrian troops and other uh, Syrian allied troops inside of Syria. It's playing a destabilizing role in this war. Well, I think the whole area is destabilized at this point, and let's hope we can find some stabilization at least by the end of the year. Highly unlikely, though. Well, before we end the program, I'd like to go over something. It was actually something I read in the promo promotion for this particular program. This is something written on April 20th, 1795, and it's an excerpt political observations by James Madison. And I think it is relevant. So we're going to read it in the comments. Starts of all the enemies of true liberty, war is perhaps the most to be dreaded because it comprises and develops the germ of every other. Let's look at that for a second. Of all these enemies of true liberty, uh, it's the most dreadful because, of course, there's murder, death, destruction, maiming, and forth. But look at the consequences of war. Let's look at the war in Afghanistan, the war of against Iraq, but also the follow-up of what to those wars, which was 9-11. After 9-11, one of the enemies of true liberty is, is uh, surveillance. Un warrantless surveillance is an enemy of true liberty where they, the state thinks it can spy on anybody. And that was one of the consequences. It's modified, changed, but the state has the power to do that whenever it wants, and it's even spying on uh, you know, our foreign allies, um, political people in that area, like in Germany. Um, so you have surveillance on your own citizens. Then you have actually uh, unlimited detention of American citizens if they're accused of terrorism. Amazing. Unlimited detention. No, no access to um, a lawyer or a fair trial. How is that possible? Would anybody allow that? Torture. Torture came out. Torture is no longer supposedly legal, but Trump's all for it. And he, he elected, he appointed somebody who actually was in the, was the head of a, of a black op site that deployed torture in the very beginning. And uh, she, she says she wouldn't do it because it's, you know, whatever. But uh, the point is, is that he has publicly said waterboarding was fine, torture, even worse than waterboarding was fine. Amazing thing to hear. Uh, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, all attacked in different ways. 
during this administration and previously to some extent. Then he then Madison goes on to say, War is the parent of armies. From these proceed debts and taxes, and armies and debts and taxes are the known instruments for bringing the many under the dominion of the few. Remember the day before 9-11, an amazing amount of money, trillions of dollars, or maybe a trillion at the time, was missing from the Pentagon. Very strange. But there, there you go. Uh, tremendous amount of money is, is expended on these wars that we're fighting. And what are we getting back? Uh, well, some people are getting back. People who make the arms are getting it back. Uh, people who, uh, you know, in, in these various corporations, yes, they are. And uh, people in government who are, who are supporting them, yes, and the media too. The media gets uh, uh, a lot of, um, shall we say, attention because it's, it's uh, doing things that are in accordance with these other entities. And therefore, our actual access to media is affected by it. And of course, we're running trillions of dollars now. It's unbelievable. In War II, the discretionary power of the executive is extended. Its influence in dealing with our offices, honors, and emoluments is multiplied. All the means of seducing the minds are added to those of subduing the force of the people. And so that is another important point, because this is what you call the unitary executive. We want to give the executive more and more power. We have a Supreme Court. Uh, nominee who's talking about that this person won't be liable even for crimes that were committed during his administration. They'd have to wait till later. So Donald Trump could be uh, indeed uh, shoot somebody on the street and maybe he'd have to wait a little bit of time before he was indicted after he, he was out of office. Something like that. But at any rate, even if it's not that exaggerated, it's very, very dangerous. The unitary executive getting rid of the power of Congress, which is backed off so much from its responsibilities. The same malignant aspect of republicanism, that's what he used, James Madison, may be traced in the inequality of fortunes and the opportunities of fraud growing out of a state of war and in the degeneracy of manner and of morals engendered in both. Speaks for itself mainly, but we are talking about corruption takes place because of war, ranging from the selling of illegal armaments to um, corrupting people in such a fashion that they capitulate or they engage in con a conflict that they aren't supposed to, that's purely uh, self-serving. Many different reasons. And here's a, a good one. No nation can preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare. Well, folks, that's what we're in, continual warfare. And and look at look at what has happened to our freedom. It's actually, even if it hasn't totally been activated, it's been uh, set up so it would be. War is, in fact, the true nurse of executive aggrandizement. In war, a physical force is to be created, and it is the executive will which is to do it. So once we go to war, uh, the Congress abrogates its function to oversee war and lets it happen. It's free reign for the executive can do a lot that it can do if there was real oversight and not getting into things in the first place. In war, the public trees are to be unlocked. It is the executive hand which is to dispense them. Yep. We, we're lucky that when, when uh, Donald Trump wanted to increase our nuclear arms tenfold, 
he was discouraged by it because it costs a lot of money to make these weapons that destroy the planet. And uh, if we needed 10 times, as, it, it, I guess they felt there should be some moderation number of times we just destroyed the planet. In war, the honors and emoluments of office are to be multiplied and it is the executive patronage in which they are to be enjoyed. It is the executive brow they are to encircle. The strongest passions and most dangerous weaknesses of the human breast, ambition, avarice, vanity, the honorable and venal love of fame are all in conspiracy against the desire and duty of peace. And I think that we are seeing that full-fledged in the, the present administration. So that's that's the show for today. We're going to say goodbye. But after we say our um, initial goodbyes, we're going to play a wonderful song by called Children of Love. Thanks for joining Don Newsom and I on Inalienable and Free. Voice of the Coalition. As we go about developing our new organization, the Coalition for Planetary Empowerment, we hope you will consider the importance of taking part in the electoral processes of your government and asserting the rights you have to vote for the companies you respect and love by casting your ballot as a shareholder or as a consumer with what you buy. We hope soon to make this possible through a social network responsive to your needs to dialogue about your rights as a citizen but also to be able to effectively act in concert with like-minded colleagues to find representatives of government and business executives will hear your voice and appreciate your message. See you soon. This is Johnny Blue Star. Imagine a dark night. The wind is crisp and cool. The sky cloudless and majestic. Perhaps you are walking alone or with a loved one. Scattered about the night sky are thousands upon thousands of points of light. Look above you, friends of this restless planet. Out there into the night sky, unknown worlds await. Beauty behind imagination, intelligence beyond comprehension, life in its infinite forms and variations, yet all from the same seed, the same fundamental vibration. A cosmic tapestry of infinite light, yet each thread unique and indispensable. Look above you, out into the vastness of the night sky, for your destiny lies out there, somewhere among the stars. Children of love, help ever, hurt never, yeah, that is the way.
Children of 